Appetite for Distortion, episode number 423. My name is Brando. Coming up a little bit later on in the podcast, as this is a two-interview episode, we have the lead singer from the band Saving Abel, Jared Weeks. He left the band for a while. He was originally lead singer, and he's back. They're back with more music and a new tour. And, of course, we talk his six degrees of, of Guns N' Roses bacon, which involves a very unique experience encounter with Duff McKagan that you will never guess. But first, we have a repeat guest on the show, Desmond Child. A couple years ago, got to meet him in studio, had him on the show. This time, he is a part of a those radio tours that sometimes I produce, sometimes I get to hop on the, the morning radio interview train when people are promoting something. So Desmond is here to promote his new memoir, and it's, I mean, he's got a, a life to tell you know living on a prayer big songs big life is the name of it talking about just uh his rise to the songwriters hall of fame you know writing with some of the the best uh, bon jovi Aerosmith, smith uh, alice cooper and uh, we'll see what we could tie in with with guns and roses to him this time around and so we, as i usually do I sometimes hop into the interviews awkwardly. The the, the my coworker uh, Mike is the tour producer for Desmond this morning, so I'm gonna say hi to Mike first, and then we'll we'll talk to Desmond and uh, we'll reconvene, and then we'll go on to Jared Weeks. How's that sound? Hey Mike. Hey Brando. Hello. How you feeling today? I feel good. Are you uh, are you well rested? I have a five month old. I'm never well rested. Okay, I figured that. Okay, uh, here is Desmond. You will have till just before I'd say uh, make it to, till 29. Go ahead. Hey Desmond, how are you? I'm doing so good. You have a five month old. I do. Imagine having two like twins. <laughs> My husband and I had, were like schlepping those double strollers and. You know, it was like intense, and you know, one cries, and then the other one, the other one started crying. At you know, in sympathy. Oh man, <laughs> it's, it was it was such an experience. So I, I'm so glad they're 21 now. Now they're crying. Oh. <laughs> now they're crying for more money. <laughs> Can you put well, like you another thousand dollars in my account? I know that I'm past my budget, but I mean, I da 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 da. da. There's always an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to keep him a baby as long as possible. So I mean, he doesn't ask for money now, but everything I earn just he goes will. to him anyway. He will. <laughs> it's too funny. Well, you know, what? let me ask that then. When they're young. Do you sing to them? Do you, are you inspired to write music? Because uh, a lot of things, I'm sure, over the over time have inspired you. But how much was having children? How much did that affect you in your songwriting? Well, I, I, I always would sing them this little song. Uh, you know, I would go, "Where are the boys? Where are the boys? Where are the boys, my little bitty boys?" They loved that. So anytime I got on the piano and sing that, they would like come over and you know quiet down and you know it was kind of a lullaby. So um, 
you know, I, I was lucky. My husband is incredible, and he's really the mom, dad, and I'm really the just the third kid. That's all. <laughs> oh, I, I like that. I, I sing too, but certainly not nearly as well as you. In my words, I, I can't write a song. It's just <laughs> well, I'm glad I, 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 I don't. I don't need over. the competition. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And and speaking of though, I mean, you have no competition. So with this, oh, I do. And her name autobiography. is. I do, and her name is Diane Warren. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I I can't argue there. Uh, <laughs> when you were coming up, this is just a maybe a simple question, a silly one, but when you were coming up with the title for the book, I mean, of course, living on a prayer makes so much sense, but you had a, a collection of titles and songs to pick from and all of them could have been a great title for a book what made living on a prayer perfect for your story because you know living life you know on a prayer i've always you know been on a kind of spiritual quest so that fit me and um you know big songs yeah living on a prayer is my biggest song and big life my life is bigger than my songs that's for sure so it, it kind of all worked together hmm uh, how often do you speak with uh, John Bon Jovi? Because you obviously have a, a major connection with him. Is it something ever uh, casual, or you, you you best buddies? What's uh, what's your relationship now nowadays? Well, you know, it, when we it, he's the Godfather, the Godfather of my kids. You know, so you know we have wow. he's the most magnificent Godfather. You know, he's more interested in them than than me. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, when I first started with them, I was more like the mentor. And, you know, now he's the mentor. You know, so he's like, Desmond, why are you doing that? I mean, you should listen to me. You know, I'm really smart. <laughs> like, I'm dumb. <laughs> but but I think he's right. Because, <laughs> you know, guy's a billionaire, whatever. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I didn't realize he was the godfather of your children. That's pretty, yeah. uh, that's, that's very, very special. You know, when people write, you know, I've spoken to a lot of um, musicians and people who have written autobiographies, and usually it's come up that it's cathartic to write a story. But I feel like that might be an easy question to ask. What was the most fun for you to relive? And just kind of threw you back and being like, I remember when I created this project. What was the most fun um, story of your life to relive? Well, for me, really, it was the hungry years. Uh, living with Maria Vidal, she was my girlfriend at the time, and uh, we lived in a tiny little apartment, and we started our group Desmond Child and Rouge with uh, Miriam Valley and Diana Graselli, and we could laugh so hard, we'd fall on the floor, stomachs aching, tears. I mean, it was the funnest, funnest times. And, um, you know, I don't think I've ever laughed laugh like that, and I miss that, you know. So we're still working on music together and all that, but, you know, with everybody living in different cities, it's not quite as, as easy. But those are my golden years when before we made it. Oh, I, I got you. And I guess in relation to this, because I have some questions for you from listeners, and I guess this guy is called, a, you can call him a listener, but you may know who he is as well. Uh, Peter Napoliello, he w worked at Geffen Records back in the day uh, doing promotion, and he saw I was interviewing you, and he wanted me to share this story with you. He said, tell him a guy that you know who was a big club DJ in NYC back in the day, absolutely loved a song that few know about. 
The group's name was Desmond Child and Rouge, and the song was called Our Love is Insane. Ironically, years later, I would be, would be promoting the same, uh, this man's singles, his songs, while working with Geffen and artists like Cher and others who he wrote for. So do you remember uh, Peter at all? I kind of do, yeah, Peter. Yeah, it's, he, that's he the... Made, he made me rich, yes. I, I, I like him very much. <laughs> <laughs> I know Peter because uh, you may. I mean, I interviewed you. This was like right before COVID happened. We we met. Uh, I used a six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon on this uh, iHeartRadio podcast, <laughs> this Q1043 podcast. And he worked with Guns N' Roses back in the day and made them millions, made them famous. So it's just cool that he has this story about you and he remembers you. Um, and I still remember this joke you told me because there was no specific connection between you and GNR because a sweet child of mine was not written about you or you, you, you I think you, you you teased me you said sweet child of mine was written about you not Aaron Everly, Aaron Everly. no did I say that <laughs> jokingly jokingly oh, oh yeah yeah right you know jokingly yeah. no I wish I had sure. written that song that's mm. a that's genius song uh I, I'm sure. Uh, well, I guess aside from that, is there a song that's out there that you're always like, oh, I, I wish I, I wrote that? Okay. Or you the, might. I'm so many. jealous of Billie Eilish's song in Barbie. Hmm. What was I made for? I mean, that's going to win the Oscar, hands down. I mean, when that song is so touching and um, deep, profound, and as existential. I mean, they they she she got it just right with her, with her brother and everything with that song, and um, you know, I I I was surprised how that song like hit me, you know. So I'm jealous, jealous, jealous of you know Billie Eilish and her magnificent song from Barbie. What was that? I'm I made a fan for? of hers. Hmm? I got to see her at Austin City Limits a few years years ago, and she's a a tremendous tremendous talent. Um, you know, I I would be remiss if I didn't ask about Kiss, and because your disco days, of course, influenced Kiss. You know, you you have we spoke about your close relationship with John Bon Jovi. Has the relationship improved at all with Gene Simmons? Because you've done some interviews recently talking about the apology that he gave you, and because he didn't want to work with you. Because you just never well, know. Over time, people get older. Has he reached out to you and, and really given you the kudos for? You know, the, the, a song, a, a fan favorite song. Uh, they, they mock it. You know, they were on Stern recently, kind of the do 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 song, but it's a great song. <laughs> it's classic. Yeah, I mean, it, it ended up uh, as Kiss's biggest international hit, and so uh, he never liked it because he felt it was off brand. But I always love combining styles, and I've done that, you know, to great success. You know, with. Uh, I was made for loving you, which had a big share of um, Motown in it, like you know, standing in the shadow of love. It's sort of, you know, sort of child of that song, you know, and um, you know, and Paul's a great fan of R and B music, always has been, uh, but you know, Gene's taste is really you know more hard rock, so he always disdained the song, but you know, he there was this movie Why Him. And uh, the band is actually in the movie playing that song. Do you recall mm -hmm. that? With um, oh, 
what's his name, James Franco, and all that. Okay. It's a oh, crazy okay. Movie, right. And yes. so there he is uh, playing "I Was Made for Loving You" in somebody's living room, and with a smile on his face. And it's like, oh, I guess the check was big. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's all it takes, right? But, you know, it was kind of a gimmick for him. You know, he went on uh, radio uh, saying, you know, we, we paid guards to keep Desmond Child out. You know, when they made this album called The Elder, that they had not used any collaborators on because... Aerosmith and Bon Jovi and everybody had started working with me, so they wanted to be opposite that. So he, they were trying to make a point like they were the real rockers, you know. They didn't need you know collaborators like Desmond Child, and so he made a gimmick out of. But he said it like in a hundred different interviews, and so I called Paul and I said. Paul, why is he doing that? I mean, why is he slagging somebody that's put money in his pocket? He said, you know, Gene, I, I can't control Gene, what Gene says. And I said, um, well, you know, that's really fucked up. Da, 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 da. So I, um, you know, came home later that day and on my answering machine was like four words. Hi, it's Gene. Sorry. Click. <laughs> and I, I say in my book, apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of that. But he's very respectful. You know, whenever I've seen him, he shakes my hand and he says, Good. you're a very handsome and talented young man. You know, he always says that. <laughs> Gotta go, Brandon. Oh, man. Well, thank you, Desmond, for, for sharing that story. Um, and I look forward, because even though you put your life in a book, you have a lot left to, to give and, to, and to, to give the world and songs to write. So I look forward to what you have coming up next. Thank you so much. You take care. Thank you, Brandon. See you, Brando. You got it. Love Desmond. I really hope to get him on a third time because I'm kicking myself because I had this question in my head going in. And I'll say to you, yeah, of course I can. Sometimes I do when I started my career and my you know, going back to high school and college, doing interviews with writing notes and uh, bullet points. But I've just, especially with these Zoom interviews, if I find myself looking away too often, and I, I do sometimes to get your questions, I, I, I keep those organized, I just lose myself in the conversation. And I just, that's the last thing I want. So I'd rather like, forget a question, I guess, than just seem more awkward in the conversation, like miss what someone's telling me. Uh, oh, I, I would hate that kind of thing. But I, next time I hope to ask him, which I wanted to, which is about perhaps in all the new GNR music, how he considers that as a songwriter, where you have these older songs reworked by what the, was the classic band but they were made by other players so I just would have liked his thoughts on that and I guess Baby Brownstone talking about him and, and children took the conversation in a different in a different way and speaking of which we're going to talk about Baby Brownstone um, a little bit later on in the episode as well there's some things I want to talk about concerning him I didn't I wasn't expecting to, to bring him up like this and, and if you, you may hear him in the far distant background my wife is uh, doing laundry with him or he's just sitting in the bed and she's doing it because he really can't do anything yet <laughs> oh and and before we move on to Jared Weeks let me play that clip from Desmond in case if you forgot when he said uh, jokingly of course that sweet child of mine was about him 
I don't know if you have a GNR story or even came close to writing with him or any of the GNR guys. Well, didn't they write a song about me? What's that? Sweet Child of Mine or something like that, right? Touche. Touche. That, that, that was about me. Okay. <laughs> you, were here, you heard it here first. Great sense of humor. Hope to get him on again. So anyway, moving on to uh, Jared Weeks, lead vocals of the band Saving Abel. You remember that song, Addicted. I remember uh, my beginnings in my radio career. Uh, I was listening because I was doing radio in Poughkeepsie, New York, and there's like uh, an alt rock station there, WRRV, and they played the crap out of Addicted. Just a great song. Uh, but they have a new single out, Fire, with the video, and they're, they're heading out on tour all over the, the, the country uh, this fall. Into the Fire is the name of the tour. Fire is the name of the song. So I guess Fire is the theme, I, I, I suppose. So anyway, let's, let's find out more about it. And of course, it's Six Degrees of G. In our bacon. Hey, Jared, what's going on? Man, it's a good day to be alive. Good to see your face. How you doing? Right on. It's good to see your face, too. I feel like, well, I guess I have heard your voice for quite <laughs> many years, but to actually speak with you, I appreciate uh, a few minutes uh, today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yes, you're correct. I do feel older every day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I just turned 40, so I don't know. Maybe you'll laugh. We're in the same boat, man. Really? Same boat. You're 40 yeah, as well? 40. Yeah. So how do you people ask me how do you feel i'm like and because I, I just had a kid i just told you old i don't know you're not sleeping yeah yeah it, it feels weird to wake up with like a muscle pulled and people are like <laughs> what did you do you're like i don't know i slept wrong you're like how do you do that <laughs> i i've never like how do i you sneeze and throw your back out well i guess yeah, that's for real, man, that's 40 it's, it's ridiculous uh it, it, it's you know Mentally, though, I feel like I just be- became born. You know, it's like a whole new life for me. You know, yeah. taking my life back. Yeah. So let's talk talk about that because in a lot of ways, I feel the the, the same way. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that as well. <laughs> Before we talk about the tour coming up, you know, into the fire, in the, right. the the new single, fire in that album. Let's just go back one more single to rebaptize, and your your reintroduction or your re. How would you, I guess, phrase it? Just being back a part of Saving Abel, because I, I, I don't know if I should admit this or not. When you left the band, I kind of wasn't, I guess, stopped paying attention. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not the, the first, you know. It, it tends to, uh, it surprises me, you know, how many people have said that. But, uh, you know, obviously, the guy that was singing kept the, the heartbeat in the band. Yeah, he so, did a great job. But you know, I mean, for me to, to for me to come back. And, and I call this moment for me, you know, just taking my life back. That's the kind of moment it was for me. You know, it took a lot of consistency and, and hard work and, you know, therapy. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about therapy, man. Um, but yeah, you know, it was one of those things during the isolation, you know, I started focusing on, you always hear people talk about, be the change you want to see in the world, you know, uh, but I actually took that seriously, you know, um, and the only way to do that, you know, is you got to look at the, the stuff on the inside that you're ashamed of and not proud of guilty of, you know, things that, that you just, the shadow work as I call it, you know, and. And I worked really hard to heal with those things. And uh, it became a moment um, during the isolation where I called Jason and I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, we started recording some old songs. It was the Brent Smith and Zach Myers, Smith and Myers album that came out during 
uh, isolation and I'm listening to these songs, just acoustic type stuff. And I'm like, dude, me and Jason have so many of those songs. Like before we were saving Abel, we were an acoustic duo, you know? So I just kind of called him up and <clears throat> said, Hey, you know, like we can record some of those songs and just put them out there. I'm, you know, I'm like, what the heck else are we doing? You know, we're all just sitting here playing music in our garage for Facebook, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, so we, we got in the studio and started recording those. And obviously, you know, one thing led to another, uh, which boiled down to me giving him a phone call one afternoon. And I was like, Jason, I'm ready to take my life back, you know. And uh, he his his response to that was, man, I've been waiting for you to say that for a few years now. And and obviously this is uh, this is where we ended up. And uh, it's been really cool. It's been a, a, an amazing journey. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome to be your own hero. Uh, we write our own stories, you know, that's how I live my life these days. And we do write our own stories so we can be our own heroes. You know, I'm just now getting to the good part, as I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I, I love to hear that. And, and forgive me, I don't know why I said rebaptize. A baptize me was the name of yeah, the baptize uh, me. Was and that, well, that's what, the, that's what I'm that's Jewish, called. so I don't know. Of course, I don't know what other phrase <laughs> baptize. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That's great. Uh, well, you know, that's basically what the song's about. You know, obviously, uh, I grew up in in uh, in a religion, sort of like Pentecostal, uh, you know, and um, so obviously I have those roots, you know. Here in the South, this is the Bible Belt. There's mm -hmm. churches, you know, every block. Uh, you know, I had six uncles and few were preachers, so it was just always in my life. You know, that's actually where I learned to sing. You know, singing mm. in the choir. You know, my grandmother and my mom were the choir directors, harmony stuff like that. That's how I was taught all this stuff. But um, you know, nowadays I'm more of spiritual and consciousness type person. Uh, but, you know, speaking about that, you know, that's what Baptize Me is about. It's about the journey that I took to get to where I'm at to take my life back. And it it's a song that tells us that we all have the power with inside ourselves to do things like that. We're, we're very, very brilliant, you know, beings. Uh, and I think it's important that we don't forget things like that. And that's basically what the song's about. And I, I appreciate that message because um, the secondary theme, I mean, you may have guessed the primary theme of the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, Guns and Roses. Roses. It's Absolutely. a jumping off point, but the secondary yeah. theme is mental health. I talk about that Absolutely. quite often in my journey. I think I'm approaching almost eight years, I think, without alcohol. Oh, dude, congratulations, yeah. man. I'm a little over three, so I'm still early in the journey, you know, but but it's it's getting better every day, you know. It's, I'm enjoying the crap out of it. Hey, man, because I was, as George Good, uh, George Thurgood, he made it sound fun drinking alone, but it wasn't. I was drinking alone, and now, you know, I'm recently married with a kid. I turned my life around. So. Isn't it amazing how you can, can, can make those changes in your life and, and create the reality that you prefer, you know? But th you're... Exactly. But what I love hearing, and I think people love hearing from people like you, and there's still that stigma of you're a rock star. You have this at your disposal, <laughs> money, girls, fame, you know, hits. What is so wrong in your life? And uh, that's such a terrible stigma because there, I, I often quote, lucky <clears throat> enough to have had uh, Dave uh, Navarro on this podcast, and he said, oh, yeah, cool. "There's no amount, there's nothing external that can fill, you know, trauma, can, can heal trauma." Was that like a similar journey that you had? That well, yeah, absolutely. For me, like one of the biggest things for me uh, was realizing, you know, fear is is actually not anything to be afraid of. Fear is actually a very good teacher, and. Um, 
you know, some of the videos and, and people I follow and things that I watch, you know, I retain what, what sticks to me, you know, and, and one of the things I got about fear is that, um, you should sit down with fear as I was talking about shadow work. you should sit down with fear and have tea with it. Talk about, you know, why do I feel this way? Well, what am I scared of? Have a conversation with it. But I've noticed like in my life, you know, one of my biggest fears was always being alone hmm. because I mean, obviously I've been self-medicating for, you know, childhood trauma, things that I had growing up. I never had the tools to deal with life turned up to 11, you know, girls, drugs, anything I wanted, you know, it was, it was kind of ridiculous, you know, therein lies the problem because afterwards all you're left with is habits that you bring home. And uh, I was living in a, in a very bad circular be, habitual behavior, you know, habit, just seeing all the negative things. And I like, well, of course this happens. Of course life is this way. Um, but using fear, uh, you know, my biggest fear was being alone. Not so much anymore because I love myself and I know who I am. But, you know, back in the day, um, I had to actually fly to a couple of different countries in the past few years and play as Saving Able. Uh, of course, they had their restrictions for some of the bases for the U.S., uh, US the United States, uh, Marines and the Army and places that we were going. You know, you had to be vaccinated. Mm. And a couple of my players, you know, from their hearts believed and they just didn't want to be vaccinated, which I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but I had to hire other players to go with me in a different country. Mm. And to me, that was like one of my biggest fears is like I'm doing this alone. You know, Jason's not by my side. Like, holy crap, how's this going to go? But. I tell you, when we got there, you know, we went to Japan and we went to Canada. And I remember the Three Days Grace show in, in Canada. It was the first show I had to do by myself. And I just remember standing up there on stage and realizing at that moment that some of the greatest things in life are on the other side of fear and what you're scared of and what you're afraid of. And uh, I remember that moment realizing that I no longer have to be afraid of this anymore, you know, because I'm not alone and I do have these people around me, you know, and uh, it was just a really good lesson for me. So now I kind of lean into fear to see where it's what it's teaching me and where it's going to take me. And, and, you know, do I have plans of actions or do I just blindly fall off the cliff you know sometimes in life you know and in, in, in my opinion it's it's some of the best things in life you know you get some of the greatest joy out of little things like that for sure so fear for me has been a wonderful teacher is that was it kind of the inspiration for fire and the very interesting video where you're talking to a young version or you're young you're yelling at yeah, that was my son the little kid in i was the gonna that was my son scout yeah i was gonna up. ask you that sorry yeah yeah well you know the inspiration for that song also came during the uh the isolation fire was one of the very first songs we wrote and um honestly it happened during the george floyd uh incident you know during that time period uh in our history in our lives was it was a weird time you know it's like politically it was like pick a side and then you had the george floyd going on and and you know, being honestly, my heart just started hurting because I'm looking around and I'm like, what is wrong with us? It, you know, it's like the whole damn world is going to hell, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, as I was talking earlier, be the change you want to see in the world. But in order to do that, you have to look at the things on the inside. You have to change from the center out. And um, one of the messages in that song is that we have the power in ourselves to change ourselves to better ourselves to search for a better version of ourselves every single day that's why it says you know don't play stupid anymore you had everything you needed all along 
And, you know, when people are pushing your feet into the fire, you know, sometimes you're looking at things that you don't want to do, or sometimes you're looking at things that you're scared of and you keep talking yourself to back, back out of it. Well, sometimes you have to just jump in there and see what it is and see how you learn more about yourself. That's one of the things that I've learned about myself is things that life throw at me now are, are no longer problems. They're more of opportunities, opportunities to prove who I really am, who to, to, I am the person that I say I am, you know, and problems or these opportunities give me the opportunity to show people that I am kind and that I do say, I do the actions that I say that I am, that I am there for people. I can be there and be strong enough mentally for other people to lean on, you know? And, and I think that's my message that I'm doing now. It's, Obviously not about ego, egos and BJs anymore, you know. <laughs> Good uh, band I, name. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's more of a mission, you know. I, I feel it's, it's to be a bridge for the people. I, I feel as if I've been on both sides. Sure. And I feel like, you know, to be a bridge to, to help people that, to, to realize the value and the worthy, how worthy they are to live their dream lives and, and who they are as people and to love themselves. And and that's something like on this journey that has allowed me to grow and learn and, and be the best version of myself every day and man i'm just proud of it you know because i made a commitment to myself and i'm, I'm like high-fiving myself going you did it you're still doing it, i'll high-five you, know? you through zoom yeah. same thing <laughs> we're, right. we're, we're both we're both doing it and yeah, uh absolutely i know we only got a few more minutes but i gotta ask on this <laughs> in the worst transition maybe i've ever made and on, the su- <laughs> on the subject of bj's i'm talking about addicted uh yeah absolutely. you know that's I always wanted to know because I know these the song the actual lyrics when you're going yes. down on me and yes. the ra- it's a radio hit that says when you're rolling around with me that was such a weird they they said going down on me was too dirty to switch it to rolling around with me and I'm like wait I just do what y'all say whatever you know it was it was kind of confusing too. I'm like, one's almost dirtier than the other, but they both mean the same thing. Okay, all right, guys. You know, it was one of those situations. <laughs> I mean, you hear the songs, other songs on the radio, and yeah. what they like. Just Cardi B, any of her songs. Holy crap! You remember at one point we were like canceling a Christmas song, but the number one song in America at that time was WAP. <laughs> I mean, it's like what a world we live wow. in. But no, baby, yeah. it's cold outside. Is uh, yeah. that's dangerous yeah. for our children. Anyways, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. anyways, here's WAP. You know, I <laughs> uh, see. I, I'm, I was always curious about those those because that happens a lot with artists. I mean, you know. F- yeah, well, even with our uh, second album, the first single off of it, or not the first single, but we had. The single sex is good uh i don't even play that song anymore uh i mean i'm just not that person but it, it happened to be a dad moment i walked downstairs and my two little girls were singing it at oh, the top of the songs no. and i was like nope i was like nope i think addicted's enough oh, you know man. what i'm saying? Like, <laughs> like i might play it at a biker's rally or something but it's it's hard for me like who i am now and being a dad to sing that like it fares oh that totally <laughs> yeah other, you know, that must so, have ruined that song for you right away. Yeah, oh man, yeah, that's hilarious. Like, I'm glad yeah. I have a son. <laughs> yeah, I got one of those too now. Okay. He's never heard it. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, I got it. I couldn't find. I, I call it the the six degrees of GNR bacon. You know, again, I think. Oh, I got it. All right. So, what, what's your connection to Guns N' Roses? Whether you're just a fan or you're 
concerts or you've met any of the guys? What What do you feel about Guns N' Roses? So, so as I said, growing up, I grew up in a church family and, and I wasn't allowed to, to listen or watch MTV, secular music, any of that stuff. Uh, um, but I do remember, you know, going to my grandma's house. She used to let me watch the MTV countdown because what did she care? You know, it's, it's her grandson. He's happy, you know, <laughs> oatmeal in front of the TV, you know. But I do remember the first time that I saw November Rain. It just blew my mind. That video was so epic to me. Like every time the countdown came on, I was waiting on it. Uh, but my story that connects me uh, to, to Guns N' Roses was actually it was a very awesome uh, moment for me uh, throughout my career. But we were doing uh crawfish bowls or festivals you know those seasons you know like the barbecue fest and you know just tons of people and duff mckagan was his it was when he was doing his solo thing it was back probably 2010 maybe 2011 maybe even 2009 i'm not even sure all the days kind of blur together but i had my wife who was at my girlfriend at the time my fiance she was pregnant with our first daughter coda and and i had mohawk our uh our um yorkie out on the road with us okay so we're, we're walking out of the tour bus and my wife's got her big belly and, and Mohawk's just walking behind us. He was such a cool dog. All of a sudden, Duff comes walking up and he's like, pardon me, madam, can I rub your belly? So he starts and she's like, sure, you know, so he's rubbing her belly and then he's like, oh my God, wh whose dog is this? Is this your dog? So he picks Mohawk up and for literally like an hour and a half, we just followed Duff around as he held our dog, petting it, and rubbing my wife's belly. It but it was so cool for me. I'm like, dude, I'm sitting here looking at Duff and I'm like, holy crap, this is happening. I manifested this or something, man. This is amazing. <laughs> That's so random. But he was he was so polite. He was one of the the kindest, very soft. He was so polite to my wife. He's like, I just love seeing you're pregnant, you're vibrating. So you remind me of when, you know, and he would go back and tell stories. And it was just really a genuine moment, man. And I'm I'm grateful for that. Like I'll never forget things like that. As he as he's petting my dog, you know. <laughs> he it, introduced himself story. though, right? He introduced yeah, himself. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't just like he he wasn't starting to rub your dog no, in the no, belly. No. He's okay. like, yeah, he, he came up and, you know, of course, I knew who it was and he obviously saw that. But I was like, Nikki, this is Duff, you know, hey. And he's like, may I rub your belly? And I'm like, oh, Andy's polite. This is amazing. That's funny. He was a very genuine person. And Did I'm you... totally glad that happened. I'll oh, never forget. That's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast. You would never Absolutely. find that story out. That's so random and it shows people like who they are in their natural state. And speaking of I'm babies. I'm totally grateful for that, Andy. It was amazing. <laughs> that's Oh, that's too funny. Were you tempted to be like, hey, I'm, I'm in this band, you know? Not, not... Well, I think we were headlining that night. So it was, you know, during the the good good years when we were up at top headlining oh. shows and stuff. so he might have been aware but like to me you know it's just like when i get home my kids don't look at me as a dad as a rock star they're like hey dad go make me a pop tart you know <laughs> yeah. i'm sitting here looking at duff and i'm like holy crap that's duff mckagan but like he was just so polite and kind he's like don't pay attention to me how are you guys doing you know and i just thought that was so cool man it honestly people in situations like that help keep me humble because mm -hmm. I want to be like people like that. Like I want people to feel better about themselves after talking to me. Uh, which, and that was one of those, that's one of those situations in life where that happened. So well, mission accomplished today. Cause I feel better absolutely. after talking with you. Great, man. I mean, you must feel with this new, with this perspective, uh, you must be so excited for this upcoming tour. Dude, I am, 
It's been a lot of hard work. I will say that, but you know, replacing old habitual behaviors with with just new uh, habitual behaviors, it's really brought a, a lot more joy out in my life. And to be present in the moments, like I had with Duff, you know, like I probably wasn't sober, but it would mean just as much to me now. But I'd be able to kind of remember it probably a little better. But um, yeah, I, I I've learned to love myself a whole lot more, man. And I'm confident in who I am. And, and when nobody else is around, I know who I am. And, and that's something that that I haven't had a lot of in my life. So, so yeah, I'm pretty proud of it, where well, I come from and who we are and what we stand for now. I love it. I'm happy to hear that. And, I, and again, Baby Brownstone, that's my nickname for him. He started to cry. So I think he's like, Dad, Dad, take me away from Mom. Hey, uh, man, you get to that. That's awesome, though, man. I love my kids so much. Awesome. I mean, Jared, this was a, a pleasure, and I really hope we get to do this again. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate you, brother. You got it. You take care. Yeah, you too, man. Bye. See ya. Cool guy. Just another one of those interviews that makes me a bigger fan of the band after I speak to a, you know, a member of the singer, guitarist, whatever, because you just know the people behind it, and it makes you appreciate it more, which is kind of what we do here with Guns N' Roses, right? We love the music more because of the people who wrote it that's kind of what music should be I think it's not just it's not just face value it's a there's a deeper meaning so let me just wrap up I'm going to do this under the segments under because it wasn't a, a direct like email or message it was more of a comment that's now deleted we'll get into it but let's do it under the segment called Mr. Mailstone here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it comes I want to wail Mr. Mailstone is an appropriate segment because we're going to talk about my my five-month-old soon. I, on the 26th, he's six months. The son, Harrison Rex, a.k.a. Baby Brownstone. And I've been watching so much Blue's Clues lately, man. It's He's at, of that age where he can acknowledge some things but not others. So you're just trying a bunch of things out. And, of course, I've tried Guns N' Roses playing that for him, whether it's the real music or the lullaby version. Same thing with my wife with Dave Matthews and the Beatles. And sometimes he reacts. Sometimes he doesn't. But for whatever reason, you put on Blue's Clues because I've tried a lot of different cartoons, shows that I watched when I was a kid. So he seemed to gravitate towards that. And, of course, that soundbite was... A hybrid of Blue's Clues and Guns N' Roses. So I guess I was, <laughs> I had some force, you know, think, seeing into the future with my uh, Blue's Clues uh, uh, time with my son now. Uh, so it would, that, so uh, he either it's Blue's Clues or I, I can't believe this. He reacts to the song by Phantom Planet, California. Because I rewatch random shit, so I'm not going to criticize my wife. She is rewatching the OC. I never watched it. I know of the show, but that was the theme song. So we'll play him the full version of it, and more often than not, it calms him down. California, I, I can't explain it. Anyway, I'm bringing up Baby Brownstone uh, because this was a comment because Mr. Mailstone is a segment where I read messages from you, uh, whether it's through email, uh, DM on any of the social media. And I do get a lot of you uh, that send me in, but I'm not going to address that now. So maybe another Mr. Mailstone in the future because I get these just awesome messages from you uh, all the time. So but this needed to be brought up because I don't know. 
uh, this is something that's I was thinking about as I became a dad involving him in, in the podcast and starting out that first episode with him just holding him as a I don't know a few weeks old interviewing Tommy Stinson and I knew it can either go really well or really poorly but it's a podcast if he started crying I could pause it whatever that's the way I saw it because who wants to listen to a baby crying who wants to be interviewed with a baby crying but if I'm just holding a baby who cares right I'm, I'm here in my own apartment with my studio uh my son is here <laughs> he's not going to school for quite some time so he's here so let me just i don't know hold him what's what's the big deal uh and i think he'll be a fun character as he gets older to teach him about guns and roses and all that stuff so anyway from what i've seen it's been a success as far as your response and my guest's response whether I talk about him or whether he's physically there with me on the podcast, getting my guests to talk about their family, their kids, their parents, I think has, it, it makes it more personal to them. And we're, we're bonding in this short amount of time that we have to talk in this interview. So we're having this bonding experience. And I've done that. You know, I try to go that route with mental health. Hey, you're talking about my, your addiction issues. Here are my addiction is, issues. It's not to talk about myself because I'm a narcissist or anything like that. It's, again, it's a, um, this is, I guess for lack of a better word, strategic in the way that we should talk about mental health. I know it's going to help me uh, bond with my guests, with my listeners. It's good for me to talk about. So there's, I'm aware of what I'm doing, but with all with good reasons. So kind of the same thing with holding my son, just holding him. And again, if he, if it became annoying where he's always crying, I, I sometimes I, I think I'm like, am I talking too much about my son? You know, this is Guns N' Roses podcast. What am I doing here? Uh, even though I, I make every post or thing about him Guns N' Roses related, hell, his fucking, uh, I call him Baby Brownstone. That's Guns N' Roses related enough, I think. And you seem to all get a kick out of that. So we've been having a great time, amazing responses, uh, especially the, the previous episode with Paul Rogers. I mean, I, I pretty much got that interview because uh, I was holding my son. He met Him and his wife met him because <laughs> I was doing my, my radio tour version of my job and uh yeah they just were happy to talk about it and that segued into talking about his grandchildren on the album so it like opens things up uh so anyway i bring this up because i this guy commented in that a now deleted uh post and thread on facebook that it was exactly when I interviewed Paul Rogers in at the beginning. And he's like, what's your son's name? And him and his wife are playing peekaboo and they're waving at him and he's smiling. Really, like, I think to myself, I can't wait until he understands who Bad Company is and what this is that is forever online and he can look at that he, when he was five months old, that <laughs> they, he was interacting with, you know, the lead singer of Bang Company from Free. It's just one of the best rock voices of all time. He has these moments where I'm holding him for, with Tommy Stinson. And it's just like all these great moments I've had with him. And this one dude whose name I will leave out of it. Because the end result is he inboxed me with an apology. Uh, but there's more to it than that. That said, unfollowing. Unfollowing. That's all it said. 
out of all the things, uh, the stupid jokes that I make, or that's the reason why you're unfollowing me, and I, I, I just commented because of my baby. What else could have been in such an innocent clip of me talking about my son meeting Paul Rogers and his wife and him t- talking about his grandkids? Like, where's the offensive material in that? So he goes, yup, I think it's disgusting what you do, but you do you. I couldn't believe that. I said, I, why would I ever want such an ignorant, judgmental person following me on Facebook as a listener? Goodbye. Fuck off. Fuck off. Like, I, I didn't, I couldn't believe that. I told my wife and she was offended by it. And it, it didn't, I, I had to screen grab it. And I posted it as its own post on Facebook. It's deleted. Maybe you saw it at the time. Because, I'm, you know what, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Am I uh, one of those parents that you see online that totally, um, you know, uses their kid, uh, you know, it always bothers me that Jimmy uh, Jimmy Kimmel skit that's supposed to, that's funny to everybody else, where the parents steal the Halloween candy and you're making your kids cry. I don't think that's funny. Uh, I did talk to my wife once, jokingly. I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> you know, ever see those videos where you throw a slice of cheese at an infant and they just react like all stunned? They're not going to get hurt from a slice of cheese, but. I don't know. So we like, yeah, we, we just, she's like, yeah, let's not do that. Okay. I, she d- didn't need to twist my arm. It was more about just talking about it and laughing. So th- it's, I, am I abusing? Am I exploiting my son by holding him and interacting with the guest? So it, it continued, and I deleted the posts at her, his request because he apologized after because it, it, all of you came to my defense, whoever commented. One of the best comments was, Wait, what is this? I need more context. And I said, apparently because I hold my son, my baby, while interviewing rock stars, that makes me a bad father. And this person said, uh, in opposite land, maybe. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest. What a, what a great comment that made me feel good because that guy's comment made me feel really bad. I have this great moment with my son and uh, my, my guests and my listeners seem to love it. And he, he has said that, yes, I think you're exploiting your baby for clicks. First of all, ex- for clicks, I don't think you know what a good amount of clicks mean. I'm not taking it at home. I'm not making bank by any amount of clicks. If I wanted, if I was a click person, I would do clickbait material. I've teamed up and I'm friendly with uh, I haven't spoken to him in a while but Brett from Alternative Nation because you do what you do he always supported me he kept my stuff in context if I needed a headline reworded that I didn't like he did it for me whatever uh, Blabbermouth all those sites I appreciate all their coverage you know if you think it's clickbait I don't write it whatever but I'm not going to tell them how to do their job but if I, I could do the same thing but I don't so here I am using my son, being my, with my son as my co-pilot. And if you want to th- think I'm using him as a prop, I mean, what kind of prop? He's smiling. He's happy. If he, I wouldn't show you if he cried. I would pause it. You see episodes where I give him, I, I put myself on mute and I give him to my wife. I'm like, that's enough. I'm not going to make him suffer just because I want to hold him here on camera. So I was, even though, again, he apologized, but he felt the same. He says, I still think it's wrong what you did. 
you know, that's what you're doing on social media. And I'm just thinking, like, I've been posting pictures of him wearing Guns N' Roses onesies, all these wonderful things. And this is the, the video where you decide to say something. He regretted saying something and should have just left it at that. Fine. And I'm not going to force my, you know, force him to believe uh, what I believe or vice versa, whatever. So I, I respected him, you know, kind of agree to disagree kind of thing. But I just wanted to put it out there because, well, do you think I'm exploiting baby brownstone? I want to keep him involved. I get a lot of comments saying, well, you you found the new star of the show. <laughs> That's where I thought we were. That's what I thought it was. Then I got this comment. I will say I am really glad he apologized because I recorded this part already and he was a lot more angry because it's and, and I never want to do it come off so angry that's <laughs> I don't know maybe that's why I'm, I'm not as uh, popular or I get the other uh, clicks that I need because you need to be uh, sometimes an angry uh, you know hot take person personality to really break through but I have enough anger in my life so it, it's good that I had a little breathing room and he, he did say you know it got out of hand uh, situation because you all came in to my, to my defense which I appreciate Again, and you, some of you were showing pictures of your kids, and you know. Uh, but I, I, again, I know it's different than you know. You're just bringing your your kid to, to make. You're making your kid a Guns N' Roses fan, as opposed to you're doing a podcast with him. But what is? I don't know. I made a choice. I made a choice to sometimes because it's not every episode, because it doesn't work all the time. He's a baby. He's not. He's on his own schedule. You know, that's why it's taken me a little bit to get these interviews out to you, actually. I've been wanting to, because they're a week or so old. I know in podcast, in podcast world, it doesn't matter, but I needed to record these in between parts. And I'm usually watching him and he's sleeping. He's watching Blue's Clues. My wife currently has him in the other room so I can do this for you. I spend most of my time being a very attentive father and I think even during the episode I'm pretty I'm pretty attentive you know no one's called me out there have been a couple times I have accidentally hit his head on the microphone okay <laughs> so if anything if you want to call child services on you could do that but I got him uh, it's a rattle I got him a microphone rattle uh, so he has his own microphone off the if it gets appropriate for him to have headphones at one point because now he doesn't need to have that other than aesthetics why subject his ears to any loud noises <laughs> so i'm certainly not abusing him at any at any rate but uh am i using him for clicks i don't know he's cute <laughs> if i am gives a shit am i using my cats for clicks it's so i mean it's just unbelievable uh people are like the internet never disappoints that was another comment it, uh, you'll find any, there's that meme that says uh, you want any proof that people argue about anything? Here's a picture of a rock. And it's kind of the same thing about that. I literally, it wasn't the, because this uh, scene goes through my head from the uh, the office version, uh, the U.S. version of the office. And I need to say that because I don't know in the world you're listening to me now. You might like the U.K. version of the office. I didn't get. Too many references went over my head to get uh, the UK version with Richie, Ricky uh, Gervais. So this is when um, Michael Scott left and uh, Steve Carell and they got Will Ferrell in to be the boss. And, and Jim and Pam wanted, uh, they wanted to kind of win him over so they would ha you know, introduce him to their children. 
and he acts all oh they're so cute that's a cute baby you know and then it just cuts to the, the where he's just talking to the camera alone and he says that baby can be on the magazine uh, the magazine cover of babies I don't care about <laughs> and that goes through my mind all the time because hey I have Facebook too personal fa- Facebook friends of mine that post way too many baby photos I don't want to be that guy if you see baby brownstone it's going to be in the cute GNR onesie not just to post him even if that gets out of hand tell me hey go back to asking whether you prefer user illusion one or two and ask that question again instead of posting your baby uh, or if it gets distracting in episodes let me know I, 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 this is our our show I'm figuring this out I'm figuring out fatherhood I'm also figuring out how to have a baby as a co-host. <laughs> so anyway, actually, let's do one more Mr. Mailstone. Again, usually an email or a DM you send me, but sometimes a comment that's left on a post. And yes, baby Brownstone, who's in the background uh, now on the floor playing. I posted the lyrics of Civil War, right? And I just really hope that there will be a day where they lose meaning. Of course, I, why would I, should I talk about the Middle East on a Guns N' Roses themed podcast? But there are Guns N' Roses fans all over the world. And I got this message, um, this comments rather, on, again, me posting the Civil War lyrics. This is on Facebook. This is from Sharon. I live in Israel. We're living in literal hell. We woke up to an absolute nightmare Saturday morning, which was a holiday. This is my favorite GNR song since I heard it, and I've been feeling like it's the most relevant for us here in the past six months, because there was an internal conflict about law changes. There were protests from both sides, and we were so divided. But this, no one's worst nightmare ever got to this. We are broken. I haven't been able to listen to this song, because I know it's going to hit different. I just can't. Oh, and I have an engagement party next week and a wedding in two and a half weeks, which are both canceled as we are at war and my fiance was recruited to the army. Anyway, thank you for acknowledging what we are going through. So what I said to her and I'll say now is I am so sorry for what you're going through, Sharon. Please stay safe. This is a scary time in this world, but this is an escape. This is an escape for you. This is an escape for me. So I hope I can provide that at least for myself or for you these podcast episodes talking about our favorite band could be escapes from the horrors of life because there are some good things out there all right uh so that does it for this episode of appetite for distortion you all stay safe out there until the next one when will you see it in the words of axel rose concerning chinese democracy i don't know if soon is the word but you'll see it security, I'm going home.